welcome to another episode of League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Uh, as some of you know, today's a really special episode. Uh, and without further ado, I'm going to kick it to uh, Jason to take over. Ladies and gentlemen, our first live guest, Ryan Madden, a.k.a. Young Mingo, is in the building. Let's give it up for him. <laughs> Young Mingo, man. I thought of that. Okay, How you doing, it. Ryan? I'm good. Hey, before we get started, um, I just want to say real quickly that, uh, one, obviously, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, but two... Um, I hope you guys know how cool what you're doing is and uh, and how much you're appreciated, not just in the league office, but um, even the clubs that I talk to. Uh, they're, they're, it's just really nice to see you guys chatting about the league, talking it up, hyping it up, tackling some of the tough issues, too. It's uh, it's great. And then you guys have been really smart about how you've gone about it and, and, and the clips and making things easily shareable on social and building a following. You guys got a special thing going here, and, uh, and we appreciate you very, very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's not exactly what the other managers, DMs have said to me about spicy soccer, but I'll, I'll believe what you're, what you're telling us. I'll take the compliment. <laughs> but no, I, you know, if you, if you want to give a background a little bit of yourself for the people who don't know of how important you are. Um, I'm going to be your least important guest, I think, this year. But no, look, uh, I, uh, I've I've been working in soccer for a while. I, uh, I used to be a, a writer for CONCACAF back in the day, covered a couple of major international tournaments, uh, was the head of communications for the Colorado Rapids, worked with the U.S. Olympic Committee for a little while. And then um, now I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to be here in Tampa as the, the head of communications and public relations for USL. Um, outside of that, I, uh, I got two dogs, Biscuit and Millie. And I'm a dad to a, an eight eight month old uh, newborn little baby boy named Atticus. He's a he's a cool little dude. Congratulations, man! So you know a new league. I'm sure it's fun in the office right now. It's exciting times. Yeah. Um, earlier this week, it was announced the We Are One campaign. Do you yeah. want to talk about that and talk about you know what we can look forward to with this campaign? Yeah, it's such a unique opportunity, right, to be a part of. A league in its inaugural year um, so we wanted to try to to make the most of this opportunity to tell that story because um, that's what a lot of us at the league office are doing whether it's our communications department or digital or, or you know our social staff or whatever it is which we're, we're trying to to support and amplify our clubs and we're trying to find the coolest stories throughout the league and tell them to as many people as possible so when we thought about this inaugural year, we wanted to make sure that we were making the most of that. Um, Kelsey Steele, who's our, our head of social media, kind of came up with the idea for the campaign. Um, and it's it's three parts. One, it, it gives a, the league a cool visual identity. Because I think, you know, if you think about the way people consume uh, social media specifically, in, a, in, a, in an inaugural year, when people are just thumbing through Instagram or whatever, they may not recognize some of the teams and some of the backdrops that they're seeing. So we wanted to give our social content this like cool visual identity so that every photo is is watermarked with this hashtag we are one in the league one um, logo so that when people are consuming content, they know exactly what they're looking at as soon as they see it. And then we had two other priorities. One, and I got to credit Kelsey on this because it's her idea and she came up with it and she's running with it and it's awesome, is this idea for um, real-time correspondence is what we're calling it. So we're hiring people uh, across the country who live in the communities where we have League One clubs 
and we're going to give them a credential and, and they'll have, um, you know, some background in photography or video collection or whatever it is, content creation. And, and they'll, they'll send live in-stadium content back to the league office so that our social channels can be populated and give people who are consuming that content this sense of being in the stadium, being there, being on the ground, you know, viewing it from the fans' um, perspective. And then the last part is, and, and I think the it's the part of the campaign that I'm most excited about is we're doing this, this cool short documentary series. It's going to be five parts, um, five to seven minutes uh, a piece per episode. And we're going to take like a very kind of um, in-depth look at supporters culture in some of our markets. So, you know, what is, what does that culture um, look like? What does it feel like? Um, and, and who's comprising it? and sort of embed ourselves, whether it's at the local pub, right, with um, supporters or the march to the stadium or sitting in the supporter section with fans. So I think just try to try to authentically capture um, what's occurring in these places. And so look, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's a cool opportunity for us and it's, uh, it's coming up really, really quick. And if um, people want to apply to be a correspondent or if they want to see more information, where can they go to find that? Yeah, it's on Teamwork Online. Um, very easy to find. It should be right near or at the top. So um, Teamwork Online, if you live in one of the League One communities and you have some experience with uh, content creation, go on, apply, or uh, shoot me a call or email. We can talk about it. Cool. And, you know, it's exciting times, like I said, for fans, especially a lot of them getting new teams in, yeah. in their backyard they didn't have, for the media. But what do you consider a successful first season for this league? Yeah, I mean, look, I'd, I'd like to hear what your guys' thoughts are on that, too. For me, it's um, if at the end of this season, the people who comprise the communities that are housing League One clubs, if they feel closer to the clubs than they, than they did at the start of the season, like that, that's a win, you know? Um, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it, right? Like, we'd, we'd love to have huge fan engagement numbers. We'd love to have people tuning in through the ESPN partnership throughout the country. Um, we like to see sellouts and, you know, really high level competition, some competitive parity. Um, we'd love to see huge community buy-in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I could, you know, the, the list goes on, but, um, but look, people don't fall in love with, with leagues. They fall in love with clubs. They fall in love with players. Um, and if players feel like they've been given the opportunity to, to show what they got, and if clubs feel like they've been given the opportunity to, to lift a trophy, um, and if the and if the people who make up that community feel like those clubs are authentically representing who they are as people, um, then I, you know I, I think I, I I think that's a win. Yeah, I, I really hope to see at the end of this year that the fans make it their own. Right? It yeah. is. It starts the rivalries, the supporters groups. Everything starts with the fans, and so I want to see the fans make it to their own and to the point to where that gets shown to potential players, to people that go, oh, you know what? This new league actually looks really fun. It looks it looks like it's a, a step for me to go somewhere else. It looks like it's engaging. This is something that I want to be a part of, and, and it grows organically through that way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, having it – the ESPN Plus piece is huge in a lot of ways, you know, and, and, and maybe not so much for the people that are in the communities because hopefully they're attending the matches in person. But – um. I'd be, I'm really interested to see what the, the perception and the feedback of the league is from other communities around the country, people who are, um, you know, perusing through ESPN Plus, watching a Serie A game or, or, you know, EFL and coming across, you know, uh, Lansing Madison, 
and all of a sudden they tune in and it's like, wow, you know, cause, cause I think we've seen, and I, you know, I think you guys would agree with this, right? Like these teams, especially what they've shown in the preseason, I think they're better than just about anyone gave them credit for being, you know, when we first announced this league, like these teams have players. Like if you look at what Chattanooga is doing in terms of putting a team together that, that's like built to compete and compete now and maybe do some damage in the U S open cup and, and, you know, probably front runners, the, um, lift the trophy, or at least that's what a lot of the preseason prognostications are. Um, it's really impressive. Like these, these, these ownership groups have uh, have made their goals and objectives very clear. You know, they want to win soccer matches and they want to lift trophies. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And, and when you have viewers looking in from ESPN and having that reach, I'm sure you guys will be looking to see, you know, the markets of people who are tuning into it that might not have a team, right? So you're saying like, oh, wow, we're getting a lot of attention from this area. Right. So then moving into the future, uh, <laughs> what are you guys looking uh, at? You know, what do you think moving forward? You want to see the team to get to leagues. I've heard some rumblings of you guys have already visit Lexington and interested in places like Bowling Green. You know, what kind of, what kind of cities are you looking at? Yeah, my, my understanding is Stephen Short, our, our senior vice president, has, has visited or had conversations with both those communities. Um, and look, you know, if, if the question is, you know, how many teams do we think we're going to get to next year? I don't I don't I don't think we know the answer to that just yet. So it's not that I'm being cagey or don't want to share. I mean, we're, it's, a, it's, a, it's very much a work in progress. Um, what we have said is that ultimately this league could get to as many as 40 teams. The demand the demand for that is there. Um, actually, the demand far outweighs the supply. Um, Stephen Short and our COO, Justin Papadakis, are either out on the road or, or taking phone calls from community leaders all over the country every single day. And that's not hyperbole, like every single day, um, talking to cities around the country who are interested in having League One teams. Uh, and that, that demand is only going to increase as more and more people get exposed to the league. Soccer markets become more fluent in who we are and who these teams are. And as they see, um, you know, teams lifting trophies and, and winning games and high level of competition and, and, and flags waving and, and smoke and all that stuff. So um, it, there's a very real possibility that the league could have 40 teams by the time 2026 rolls around and the World Cup is here. Now, so if the question is how many are we going to have next year, all I can really share about that is if the league can get to 40, um, and if you think about, you know, we've already said that 10 to 12 of those teams could be teams that are dropping down from the championship. Right. So, you, you know, that takes you to somewhere in the ballpark of 20 teams that still leaves another 20 expansion markets around the country in just the next seven years alone. And then for next year, if we're at 10 now, you know, I can't give you a number, but it's fair to say that we'll be somewhere between, you know, a quarter of the way and halfway there to that 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 larger number. So. OK. So then when more teams are coming. Does that mean, you know, we're going to have, we have the U.S. Open Cup, which is nice, but are we going to have a little, you know, maybe some tournaments? We've already seen with preseason a lot of League One teams playing USL championship teams. Is there a possibility to where when you have all these markets and the league gets bigger, we'll be able to maybe have a USL tournament or something like that? Yeah, we've, we've, we've had conversations both internally at the league office and with Board of Governors for, for both the championship and League One about – um, the possibility of having a, a USL uh, interleague cup, right? So you would have teams from League One being able to play teams from the championship. 
Um, we're still conceptualizing a lot of it at the moment. You know, we're, it looks like we're maybe still two years away um, from it. Uh, it could potentially take the form of like a, a single knockout competition. Um, you know, and I think it'd be really cool. I mean, I mean, tell me what you guys think. But the idea of you know Statesboro, Georgia, being able to host um, Phoenix Rising in an interleague cup. I mean, that's 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 a cool thing, right? Like if you're a, if you're a supporter in Statesboro, the opportunity to to host a big club like that, um, I think would get people would get people going um, and would get the stadium rocking. And, and that's that's ultimately what we want to do. And then part of that, too, is to gauge the long term, you know, the competitive parity um, between the two leagues as we have conversations about, you know, strategically where we're going to go with, with these leagues in the future. So it's all um, it's a very real possibility for sure. And with this league, I know it's about, you know, when I look at it, I think it's about bridging the gap between the fans and the teams, right? So this is one of those things, like you were saying, it's all about the fans and having that kind of real lifetime correspondence of what's going on and how the teams are interacting with the community. So how do you look at this league kind of bridging the gap between the fans and the team? And you see it any differently compared to other leagues? hundred percent. I think we see it different to other leagues. I, I mean, if you fundamentally, what this league represents is, um, is the existence of professional soccer in communities that have never had professional soccer, um, communities of, or cities of a certain size that have never had the game, um, in their backyard, right? Like maybe they've been able to watch it on TV. If you live in Statesboro, you had a PDL team or you had a league two team and you could watch Atlanta United on TV is just in the last couple of years, but now you have a team that you can walk down the street to um, and you're going to get to know the executives and they're accessible and the players live in your community. You're going to see them at the grocery store. And what I think is really, really special, um, and we talk about it all the time, you'll hear Jake Edwards talking about it or, or Steven or Justin or whoever's talking about League One. I think one of the most important things that we can say about it is that if you're a, a young kid who wants to be a professional soccer player, it's really important to be able to see a pathway to becoming a professional in your community. You know, to be a to be a, a second or third grader and to be able to to look at the bright lights of a stadium down the street and say like, yeah, you know, maybe if I maybe if I train hard enough, maybe if I work hard enough, like maybe I can play there one day. You know, that's 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 special, right? And that's how we grow the game in the United States, and that's how we get better, um, is by providing more kids with more pathways to become professionals, and by binding ourselves more closely to the communities that support us. Um, and so, in in that in that regard, this is an unprecedented league. No one's ever done this before. Um, you know, we don't want to take ourselves too seriously, but it's 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 cool and it's fulfilling, and um, it makes coming to work every day uh, feel feel good. You know. And, and since this is new and it's it's something different, uh, one of one of the couple questions that people asked us was, yeah. uh, I think one thing when you look at a couple of the upper leagues is that they don't like the league having so much control over the teams when it comes to fan interaction, whether it's through social media or whether it's through rules of what the fan engagement looks like. Yeah. So working in the office, what are you advising or how – how involved are you with advising other clubs on how to utilize their social media or how to utilize their fan market? Our role as we see it is to support and to amplify. Um, so if there are cool stories that our clubs are telling, we want to amplify it and we want to help more people get exposed to that story. Um, and we want to support them 
as they need it, you know? So if a team comes to us and says like, hey, can you share some best practices? Or if you can you help us grow our following? Can you help us create more engaging content? Like, absolutely, we'll drop whatever we're doing and we'll, we'll do it immediately. But we, what we don't wanna do is, is um, tell them how their voice should sound or, or what their aesthetic should be. You know, I think if you look at teams like Lansing and obviously Madison's the, the obvious example, but even Statesboro and, and, and Tormenta, a lot of the a lot of the clubs in this league, they've all done, I think done a good job of developing um, a, a social voice that is unique to their community. So, like, if you follow the the Tormented Twitter account, like, I think in a lot of ways, like, it sounds like someone from Statesboro, Georgia, you know, and that's important. That's really really important um, because I think in some ways, soccer, the way people talk about soccer, especially on Twitter, is so homogenous. We all say the same things. We all, every kid on Vail is like so fresh, so clean or whatever, the calm before the storm, all this stuff, right? And it just becomes, it just becomes redundant and, and, and lacks originality. And what I think teams in League One are doing, you know, whether it's um, Flamingos doing bicycle kicks or, or Lansing's, you know, meme with the, the Game of Thrones dragon, <laughs> whatever it is. And I, and I know it sounds stupid this when you say it out loud, but they're, they're creating their own voice and, and they're creating something different and new and something a little bit more playful and something that pushes the limit a little bit um, and is a little bit more free-spirited than, than maybe, you know, what you see at some of the higher levels. And personally, I think that's that's cool. That's exactly what we should be doing. And you heard it you heard it here first. Ryan Maddis, Madden's implemented a rule from league office. You cannot have a calm before the storm tweet. That's right. The games. No, you can't do it. That's it. Heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. But so, you know, we we're starting preseason, the rosters are filling up. Um, yeah. And so we still have, you know, a, a little over 30 days to go. But what have you been most impressed so far from what you're seeing uh, with the beginning of this league? The quality of play on the field. Um, the teams are better than anyone expected them to be. Um, the results they've gotten in preseason and, and, you know, I'll be the first person to say don't read too much into preseason results, but it's hard to look away from some of those because the way that they're playing and, and the sort of the tactical sophistication, if you will, and, and the way that they're setting themselves up and the way that they've gone about roster creation and the talent that they've been able to pull in while still bringing um, local up and comers and, and, and maintaining that pathway is, has been really, really cool to see. Um, I mean, it just, it, I don't mean to bounce the question back at you, but is, is that the thing that you guys have been um, most pleasantly surprised with, do you think? Yeah, I know I have, and Mark, Jeff, I'll let you guys jump in, uh, which you've been impressed with. Well, I've been, I, I, the Phoenix Rising games I've seen when the FC Tucson players have been playing with them, I've been impressed because the quality rarely changes. It, it, there's not, you, you don't notice that there's seven FC Tucson players on the field at that moment. And so that impressed me because I, I agree. I, I was a little skeptical of the playing level uh, to begin with with this league, but the, the teams have stepped up and, and it's going to be a quality year. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm impressed not only for the fact that I'm surprised at the quality of play, but the type of players, the, the names that I'm hearing, right? Some of these names are names that have been you know wonder kids in the past who have had injuries but have definitely have the potential to be playing in mls or higher leagues and then you have you know all these international players youth international kids that are playing and are probably a year or two away from playing in higher leagues if they wanted to and so i'm excited to see these kids because they're getting consistent minutes and so i think what this league brings is 
you know, you have players that sat on the bench all year for MLS teams who literally got no minutes. And it's almost like a waste of talent, a waste of career, because those are valuable for them to get that experience, get that playing time to find their rhythm so that they can grow. And so, yeah, the, to see those names and to know that they are going to get those quality minutes to improve their game, I'm not going to be surprised if we see a handful of players moving up next year. Yeah, for sure. And, and to that point, I mean, I think, I think, you know, if you'd gone, if you'd gone back two or three months and you talked about what are some of the more critical narratives about the league that existed at the time, I think people would have said, um, you know, there was concerns over maybe it being too much of a quote unquote player development league, right. Or too, you know, quote unquote, or is it going to skew too young? You know, um, I think those questions have been answered. Like, yes, it is going to trend a little bit younger than, than the championship will just by nature of it. Any, any third tier anywhere in the world is going to trend slightly younger than the league immediately above it. So that's natural, but it, if you look at not just the quality of play on the field, but what the ownership groups and what the technical staffs are saying, it's pretty clear. And I, and I keep saying it um, even tonight it, is that their goal is to lift trophies and to win soccer matches. And they're going to develop talent in pursuit of that. But the development in and of itself is not the primary objective, right? It's to develop talent in pursuit of on-field success. And that, um, that that that's that's a differentiator, and, and I think that's going to make um, this league pretty fun to watch. Not just in year one, but but years you know down the road as well. And we talked about it earlier with ESPN Plus. Uh, I know in the press release it said that the playoffs will also be on ESPN Plus, but yeah. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on because what I didn't see is where the championship is going to be aired. So do we know for sure it's going to be on ESPN Plus? Or are we aiming for maybe something a little higher? You know, I'm not, you know, I can't, I can't go full Nostradamus, but, but what I'll tell you is um, you may just want to hang tight for um, an announcement tomorrow. We may okay. have more information on that. Oh, oh tomorrow. Maybe. Wow. Maybe. Dropping exclusives tonight, people. <laughs> Just keep hitting that button, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as, as, as a AKA Young Mingo, you know, yeah. I know you're, you're heavy into the, to the 90s rap game and into the <laughs> rap game, period. So I'm going to hit you with a speed round and I'm going to give you right. this person or this person. And I need right. you to just, first that comes to your mind, no thinking about it. All right. Oh, yeah. I was born for this moment. I'm ready. All right. Biggie or Tupac? I'm I'm from the West Coast, so I, I gotta go pop. Okay, Tribe Called Quest or Wu Tang? Oof. I thought you were ready. What happened? Uh, <laughs> man, that's tough. I, I, it's it's Wu, but it's but it's not by much, man. Okay. It's not, not by much because I love Tribe. The Five Foot Assassin is one of my all time favorites. So I, I got I got nothing but love for Tribe, but it's Woo. It's Woo by an inch. Okay. Yeah. Mace or a Big Daddy Kane? <laughs> Mace, because him him and Puff Daddy in that in that Mo Money Mo Problems video where they got ten years from now you'll see me on the yacht. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the that's one of the all time best. Yeah, I wanted to go with two smooth ones and see which one uh, you want to go with. Yeah. Uh, so a little newer, Cole, J. Cole, or Kendrick Lamar? Cole, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, a little more relevant, Clint Dempsey or Memphis Depay for Man United? 
Clint, because other people have done what Memphis is doing, you know, like Clint paved that path. No one, I'll, I'll say this forever, like Clint Dempsey was unique and special and a different type of player and personality in the United States than we had ever seen before. And we needed that, you know, we needed someone with a little bit of fight in him and someone who had that, that kind of, um, you know, forget the raps, like he had, he had spirit. You know, he had something cool. He had swag before we were even using that term. So um, I love, I love Clint. I love Deuce. Clint Dempsey did a song with Big Hawk, H-Town legend. So until your favorite soccer player does a hip hop track with a legend, I don't want to hear it. Clint's on top. That video that video is amazing too because they go yeah. they go from the trailer park and then it's Dempsey out on a field just throwing step overs. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But he might have one competition because my last question, yeah. Clint Dempsey or Young Mingo? It's it's always Young Mingo, guys. You know, <laughs> you know it. All right, Ryan, do you tell people where they can find you and let us know um, how they can reach you. And once again, in case they missed it the first time, where they can go to learn more information about the uh, We Are One campaign. Yeah, so visit for the We Are One campaign. You can visit uh, the website, uh, USLLeague1.com. If you're interested in being a, a real-time correspondent, if you live in a League One community and you're interested in being part of our team to help uh, do some content creation, uh, you can catch that on, on TeamworkOnline.com. Um, and then you can find me personally on Twitter, uh, Rye underscore Madden, um, or uh, feel free to email me at Ryan.Madden at USLSoccer.com. If I can ever help or, um, or assist in any way, man, we're here always. Hey, thank you. We appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan Madden. I appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Enjoy the rest Thanks of the show. All right, anytime. See you, fellas. Thanks. Yeah, I was going to have Ryan, you know, give us a hot 16, spit some bars, but he's way too <laughs> vulgar. Way too <laughs> vulgar. I don't know if you if you heard the early Young Mingo stuff, but boy, oh boy, that's a, that's a vulgar man. <laughs> We can, I mean, the live stream is one that we can edit out on the podcast. You're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe that'll be an extra <laughs> add on to the podcast. That when we all get together for uh, the championship, uh, there he's we go. Put the bars. Which we, we're hearing more information about tomorrow. I'm excited about that. I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know that was coming. That's our first exclusive. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, uh, I know that we're down, down a couple people today. Uh, but let's go over uh, some scores uh, since we are preseason. This is technically, uh, I think, week two, more or less. Uh, so I'm not going to bore you guys with all of the scores, but some important ones for people to know. Uh, so this past week, Richmond beat Bastille 3 nothing. Hmm. Ford Madison beat Indy 11 one nothing. Mm. Tormenta beat the Rowdies three two. Mm. Now Chattanooga did tie Atlanta to uh, one one. Mm. But Lansing came through today with a two one victory over Indy eleven. Mm. So for those of you who are who can't read between the lines, uh, the USL Championship is pretty. Uh, be getting beat up by us. I, mean, I, uh, I know overall, overall, it's a four-four and one record that that USL League One has every championship. Full disclosure, 
But this is a bad week to be a USL Championship team playing a League One team. Isn't USL Championship starting relatively soon, too? Well, meanwhile, League yes. One team been in camp, you know, some for six days, nine days. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're uh, I think, starting two weeks ahead of us on March 16th. So these rosters that the championship team are playing is comprised mostly of their starting 11 and a few sprinkle in trialists, uh, at least I would assume. When I, the For the Ford Madison... Indy 11 game uh, started pretty much, Indy started nine starters of the 11 that they put out in the first half. And then that ended 0-0 in the first half. Second half, um, they put in a couple trialists and Ford put in a couple of other players. And then that's when they scored uh, to win that game 1-0. Great counterattack. You can actually go on Ford's Twitter now and see it. we had a step in. They try. Um, Indy tried to do a give and go. It was stepped in, passed to the midfielder. He held it. Wait for the wingers to come by. Um, I think the winger who actually had the pass was uh, named P Flamingo. So that's on brand. But uh, he had a great switch to a Bronx legend and now Madison legend Zaire Bartley, um, and it's a beautiful goal. And so, even if you don't take scores seriously or even if you don't look too much in the preseason look at how they are scoring right that is a beautiful counter and so if you haven't go on there and you know i think with this like you these are players yeah these are starters that are coming in these first halves and these halves are ending zero zero one one or two one league one teams up in the league so it's one of those things to where the starters should be coming in and dominating and then you can have your trialists come in and start playing them. But my whole thing too is for people who are like, oh, well, I don't look at the scores or whatever. If you, um, they're just they're or they're just trying out trialists. If you're playing in a league that's above League One, shouldn't your trialists be better than the trialists in League One, right? These are people that you are kind of depending on the being in your 18. So if a star player goes down for two months and someone needs to come in and fill that spot to hold the team until the player can get back for that playoff push, these are the kind of players you need. So what is it saying when USL championship teams are bringing their trialists on the road, paying for their food, paying for their lodge, all that, and then they're not able to compete with trialists that some of these teams uh, in League One had at open trial in their backyard. So even if you aren't looking at the scores and you're saying that the preseason score itself doesn't matter, preseason definitely matters. And USL championship teams should look at this and be a little concerned or feel a little some type of way about this because – yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable knowing, okay, I have strong 11 players, but then all my other players on the team couldn't even beat a league below us. That's not going to make me comfortable, especially when you have leagues that have so much travel, so much roster rotation, and injuries happen. So that's the stuff I'm looking at, because that's what's not making sense to me. That's when people, I feel like, are making a couple of excuses, because you should not be losing 3 to nothing to a team that is in a league below you. So I don't know. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'm looking mainly at the Indy 11 ones just because, uh, as we've talked with the BGN Slack there, Indy's gone into a, a win this year, win now. They've they've brought in a lot of players. Um, you know, they they're have that new stadium deal that, that's potentially going there. They're making a potential MLS push. Um, so, yeah, the fact that they're, they're playing 9-10 and – it's ending up a draw at the end of the first half. Even if we take the second half results when they bring other trialists out, that's is what it is. But 
that is just showing how great of the competition that League One's going to bring, mm-hmm. and how much you know looking forward. You know, if, if there's a player in League One, and I'm and I'm sure there's going to be a handful of players that are just off the charts. The teams that are going to come out after them in the off season. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, like. I said I, if I'm a USL Championship fan, I'm watching my team, and they are still drawing one-one or losing two-one after playing their starters for over half a game and bringing in bench players and trialists against trialists of a league below them, I'm a little concerned. I don't feel good about that at all. And I don't think that's something that you just ignore. I also, for the indie thing. I was scouting at that point. Yeah. And and for the indie thing, every, the game that they play, they've had different people in different positions. And it's just like, why is that not together? You, you're a couple of days out. You're, we can have two weeks out from starting. That should have be all together so that even if you wanted to solidify your style and the starters to begin with, and you wanted to give them two games, that's fine. But why is that not together yet? Why why are we still switching formations and players two weeks against trialists? Yeah. So the couple of games we have coming up, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, Chattanooga played Georgia State uh, University. Uh, St. Louis FC uh, is going to play Ford Madison. That should be a good game. Uh, Tormenta's playing the University of South Carolina. I got excited when I saw USC because I thought it was Southern California for a split second. <laughs> but um, but uh, North Texas is playing uh, NXT Rajados. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the, the game that I'm overly excited for because I actually get to see a League One team is Lansing versus uh, the Riverhounds. Um, it's also one of those teams where uh, games where I can't uh, – Fairly root because Riverhounds are my team, but uh, Lansing, as you guys know, has become my my new favorite. Um, but I, I'm just excited to see them because, uh, like I said, you know, I w- I won't really see anything live um, unless we get to the championship. Um, and then um, the Richmond plays Old Dominion University, uh, so we got some good games coming up. And do me a favor at that game. Let me know how uh, Moon is playing for, because I've been hearing great things about him from both preseason games. And um, I don't think they have a specific position they're putting him in yet. And But that's that's the Coaches Miller's whole thing, right? Like, oh, I've got out of the 11 players on the field, I've got seven of them I can put in different positions any way I want, change the formation any way I want. So he's a player I think you should – be looking at because I've heard a lot of good things about him. And then, of course, uh, Steve St. Duck, who was scored today, but he's apparently been the facilitator. Um, so I wonder if that means he's he's naturally a winger, but I'm wondering if they are thinking about putting him centered a little more because apparently he's been the one that's been facilitating for most of the preseason. So those are two guys I would look at um, while you're watching that game. For sure. I'll let you know on those. Um, and then there's a also potential that uh, we'll be having another interview or two coming out from that game. Uh, so keep in tune for that. Uh, Mark, uh, I inadvertently missed your note here about uh, North Texas SC. Uh, they did lose today to Austin Bold uh, 2-1, um, but Ricardo Pepe scored. Uh, do you want to give us some more information? 
Yeah, I don't have much more information than that because the the game wasn't streamed, so all I have is their Twitter uh, play-by-play. But, I mean, that's a huge deal, especially they took the lead in the first half off of Pepe. But to have your your first signing and a 15-year-old at that uh, start preseason off uh, in that way is a great indicator for them. And I, I'm excited to see what North Texas does this year. Um, and, and concerning, I just was looking it up earlier today, but I noticed that North Texas – the rest of their preseason games are going to be at Toyota Stadium immediately following FC Dallas regular season games. Oh, wow. So, so that'll be a cool kind of see if anyone hangs around for those. Even if it's preseason, you, you might have four or 5,000 people hang around uh, for North Texas games. And to, so to get that excitement it is crucial. And it's good to see FC Dallas is taking care of uh, North Texas as well. Yeah, and Dallas is in player kids mode, right? So mm-hmm. like they're they new coach restarting. So this is as any good of an affiliate team that can have someone stand out this year and end up on an MLS roster next year. Depend especially if players get traded or players leave for other teams. Uh, that's a possibility to where if someone has a standout season, FC Dallas can go, hey, we want you to come on up, play some open cup games against us, or when we have those double game weeks, come and sub in for 60 minutes. So I think, yeah, for fans, that would be a really great opportunity for you guys to go and uh, look at your players. I think another thing with it is, you know, as, we, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, um, you know, the MLS teams who are instead of having a, a two-team, you know, they're, they're more or less adopting or creating a, a League One team or potentially going to create one. Um, you know, that's only going to help out the communities as well because it gives them a nice loan-up, loan-down system, um, but it also has you keeps tabs uh, without uh, get, getting too much of a, of a scouting network going. Uh, I, I know that there's rumor that, that Cincinnati's looking, you know, if, if they do do a two-team option instead of doing a – an MLS two team, there's potential they could be looking to uh, advance with the League One team. Um, but you know, th- that is a whole interesting thing. Uh, I-, I know that this is a League One show, but if you've seen their mascot, one I don't understand. I don't understand why soccer needs. I don't really understand the thing of mascots like outside of high school to begin with. High school, high school, and college, I-, I-, I get those, but like, I don't really understand why professional teams need mascots but that aside that mascot that they have it may be worse than gritty and oh, no. gritty is oh, a terrible one no. just because i'm from pittsburgh but gritty is just a terrible mascot i think that like before we go uh into the season we have to like rank not only the kits that come out but like just the mascots that are around the league whether it's championship or league one Wait, does League One have any mask? Like, I know that Madison has a flamingo, but it's like a pink flamingo. I don't think they have a mascot flamingo yet. That's all they need. All they need is that plastic flamingo. That's true. I uh, I see that Jeff is not fond of the furry community. And once again, I would just like to say that Jeff's opinions do not reflect on the whole cast of League One fun. Uh but, you know, I think if, if League One did have a mascot, because this is so rooted to the community, I think it's 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 okay, like, to it's get the kids in there to enjoy it. I know um, – I can't think of his name right now, but the Dynamo fans love that furry fox uh, mascot that they have. They, they go crazy for him. So 
um, you know, it, it, it's it's all good and fun. This is supposed to be a fun league. Um, my request, yeah, if if you do have a mascot, though, don't make it look like Cincinnati's. There's a picture on my timeline. I think Cincinnati still has it up, but they, it's posing with kids, and they just look horrified. And he, it's just it's all around just a weird move to have. But uh, no, shout out to Cincinnati, twenty thousand season ticket members sold this year. So that's that's a hell of an accomplishment. And yeah, like you said. It'll be interesting to see what path they go down because I thought they were in talks of having, was it North Carolina or someone in USL Championship as their affiliate? So I don't yeah, know if they're here. Yeah, so they're they're just herpes and can't leave USL Championship. I don't know what their deal is, but uh, it'll be curious to see how many MLS teams that don't have a two team maybe forego Championship and start looking at League One instead especially if they can find a community that is closer to their town, right? So instead of affiliates being a whole plane ride away, if you can find one that's within, you know, a bus ride away, that's obviously going to be a lot more cost effective. And then you're finding kids within your own community and your scouting's a lot easier as well. So Jason, I know that that we just had a a smidge of spicy soccer and it wasn't even spicy. It was just my Jordan mascot. But on the notes here, you have something about Ignite stealing a name and crest or potentially stealing a name and crest. What? I can't even do the rest of the show before I figure out what this is. What's going on? Okay. So um, I'll get spicy later because somebody, multiple people entered my mentions about something else. But just to, you know, if uh, Ford or anybody else wants to kind of pick at you know, Lansing, I did see, and according to Lansing fans, it's old news, but yeah, that's, that's what they want you to think. I did see that there was a um, certain team that was in an extreme soccer league, uh, and that team uh, dominated. They were very good, and they were called the Detroit um, Ignite. That's what they were called. And uh, yeah, their logo kind of looks uh, a little familiar as well. So I'm not saying anyone steals anything, but it's uh, it's very, it's very, uh, yeah, it, I'm, it's not looking good for Lansing when it comes to creativity, especially when their rival is uh, the one that's getting write-ups on Sports Illustrated and stuff for just how wonderful that branding is. So uh, I know a couple of the guys have said to me, oh, I don't know if I, if I see Ford being our rival, but that's that's got to eat you up inside to just know that they can get all this attention for their branding and, Oh, Ford's so funny and full Mingo and look at the colors, look at the crest. And I don't know, you guys seem to just have a copied uh, name and logo. So I don't know. I I just know if I was a fan, that might eat me up a little bit inside, but you know, so I just wanted to bring that up in case people didn't know. I found out this week and thought it was interested. That's all. No, no shots at anybody. You can never hide anything from Jason. Like no matter <laughs> what, the only thing that you can hide is if you're in a different sport that he doesn't care about. Like that's the only way that you can hide things from him. If it's spicy enough, I'll find it. Like let me find out that there's spiciness and curling, and I'll be on that ice. I'll grab a broom or whatever I got to use. As, but uh, I'll be on there. Are, are you over here thinking that Lady Gaga and uh, what's his uh, what's his names are going to be the uh, hookup now? Is that no, no, like- no, no, no? That man is married, and I don't want anything to do with that. So, 
Don't want anything to do with that. That is on him. And I will let him dig his own hole. I will not be participating in that. Uh, all right. Uh, then one of the, the biggest news articles of this week um, was that Tormenta is having a stadium groundbreaking. Um, and it's going to be the couple days before. It's going to be on the 27th, so two days before the their first match and League One's inaugural match. Well, that's... Oh, the groundbreaking, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. opens in 2020, though, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. Yep. Yes. Um, so for, from what I found out, it's going to be just over 5,000 seats, which I think is the minimum for USL Championship or so, it, I, somewhere around there. I think USL's higher. I think USL's around 10,000, at least available seats. Right. We'll we'll count how many empty seats are in the lounge and games, and then that'll be able to tell us how many. Uh, what's the minimum seats there? Uh, but it's also it's also part of a of a multi use complex. So there's going to be uh, some grocery chain, uh, a hotel, a movie theater, your banks, your restaurants, uh, some retail stuff, um, and I think like, from the renderings I saw, one it looks like it's a beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. I've also like this is nothing bad toward toward, toward, toward tormenta. That's a tongue twister. Um, <laughs> I've never I've also never seen a professional rendering for stadiums that have been terrible, but it, it does it does look beautiful. It does look amazing. Um, the one thing that I think is you know, when this gets built, it's either going to be the most ingenious stadium idea ever because of everything around it. Or it's going to be a nightmare for casual fans or the people that just want to go to the grocery store on a Saturday night and there are thousands of people chanting that they have no idea what's going on. I, I, I like it. I like, I like that this league is all about the community, right? So for them to have something to where it is not just a, oh, we're going to a soccer game and it's something that's for a whole family – I like it. I know that they're doing uh, an event where you bring your own shovel for the groundbreaking. You can take part of it. So then you can say like, you know, to your kids when they grow up, Hey, remember, you know, 10 years ago we shoveled and broke ground at the stadium. So I like the idea and I get what you're saying, but I know, I know uh, Mark, you had an idea about this. You were thinking how it would work, right? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, so they're focusing on the college students this year. And Jason, you said earlier, it's like three, five minutes away. And so you're going to have a lot of people uh, parking. But also, you, you think about the hardcore fans, they're going to want a pregame. They're going to want a pregame part, and they're going to do it either, even if there's a space or not. And so I don't think they're going to worry, have to worry about you know finding a parking space when they're they are three hours early pre-gaming, getting ready, eating, and then going to the stadium. And then staying late, going back to the bars, having a good time, and leaving. And so I think for the hardcore fans, they're going to get there early anyway. And so I think that's going to lessen the, the actual stress of traffic, at least for, for those casual fans that are just rolling in. And they're redoing, uh, from the press release, they're redoing the parking and so I anticipate there being plenty of space for everyone. You know, five, it's a 5,000 seat stadium, so that you don't need a huge parking lot. You know, you're not going to be uh, worried about how much space you have. Uh, so I think it's a great ad- idea. You know, it's only going to cost, they said, $30 million, which is 
a great a great deal for a stadium in today's age giving the college access to the stadium as well having concerts and so i think it i think it's a great uh concept yeah, it's like a soccer day, right? You're not just going to a stadium anymore to go see a game. There's mm-hmm. so much around it, so much going on. You can leave at lunchtime, go get lunch, go see a movie, and then go to a bar to pregame and then go to the game or just go to the game and then go to a bar afterwards. It's something to where you have an area to where you can be for more than just a game. And I know as someone that lives in the suburbs, when I go down to Atlanta, it's difficult for me to want to get into a mindset to go all the way downtown just to watch a game for two hours and then drive in traffic and come back. Right. So now it's one of those things to where if I can go down and then know that there's bars and other things around for me to do afterwards, I don't have to go get stuck in traffic. Yeah. I'm more likely going to go. If I know that I'm, my girlfriend wants to go to see a movie and I'm like trying to get her into soccer like yeah okay we'll go see this horrible rom-com that I'm not gonna like if you go and see this uh soccer game with me so I like the idea and I I get what what you're saying Jeff how especially at Georgia Southern they love the party and they're gonna want a pregame it's gonna be rowdy but I think that with them building the parking lot I think they're gonna do a good job at separating you know, where you can have your tailgates and where the, you know, the, the more intense people are compared to where the more families are. And they'll, you know, it'd be a great idea for them to have like a fun zone, maybe like moon bounces and stuff like that. So that kind of separates where the families are going compared to where the college kids are going. Don't, don't make this about the families. If there's a moon bounce, you're going to be in it. Like, I mean, it matter about families. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be pre-gaming first and then I'll go into the moon bounce, but yeah. I'll, so you're right. Uh, so Ira, unfortunately, um, isn't on the show tonight, uh, but he has an article up uh, about yellow cards, international spots, the various roles for League One. Um, make sure that you check that out. That's going to be on bgn.fm, and I'm sure that if we haven't shared it on our social media, uh, we will. Um, guys, we have one player signing this week. This is how we know that we're getting toward the middle of uh, – preseason we don't have a whole show about player signings uh jason do you want to take it away sure but before i do that i i do want to comment on iris piece a it's great always does great written stuff but a couple of the things that stood out to me um seven international spots like you said chattanooga has like 38 so I, I'm guessing there's got to be some kind of a – I don't think it's going to be as bad as a Garber 4th DP situation that's going on in MLS right now with L.A., but I, there's got to be some kind of thing to where you're probably paying to have more international spots because I don't imagine that they're going to narrow it down to seven, right? So maybe – or maybe you pay – you know, that get a spot or you have to buy it from another team. But that's just one thing that I want to look at because Chattanooga definitely has, I think, 10 internationals right now. Um, and then another thing I wanted to look at was the freeze date for your rosters is extremely late into the season. So I think it's like with five games left into the season, that's when your roster gets locked. So that's important because especially teams that have affiliates, if they have a playoff push, if they're one spot away or they know that they have a chance of even lifting the trophy, you might see a couple of those USL championship guys come down if they're not particularly doing well or if somebody's just riding the bench and they might take over and really help them bump up that level that they need to lift the cup at the end of the year. So I, I actually have a note about that. As If it's the same rules as USL championship had last year, the – the games count before 
the roster freeze. And so like Phoenix Rising had a center back from LAFC come down, played like three games with us before the roster freeze date. He still, he came back after that date, played two more games and was able to play in the playoffs because he had those five games. And so I I think you'll see a lot of moving up and down and who knows if a team will, will look at that and try to do that specifically. So they have guys that have five games played uh, to use, but you know, those, those teams in championship might be in contention too. And so you don't want to really lose anyone at that point. Right. Yeah. So those are, those are things I, w- I wanted to look at. And also uh, for fans of rules, let me know if you know with yellow card accumulation after you get five, I know you get suspended for a game in USL championship and MLS, but do you have to pay a fine? Because one of the things I think I read was that in League One, you have to pay a fine if you get five yellow cards. So I didn't know if that was a rule in MLS and USL Championship as well, because that was kind of strange to me for, to hear that for the first time. Yep, that is a rule. Um, I know last year, um, I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, but one of the Riverhounds players uh, got five yellow cards and got picked up the suspension and a fine. Wow. Poor, and and it was it was like on a BS yellow to begin with, which like made all the supporter groups hate that ref. But yeah, there, there is a fine involved. Poor Diego Chara. Uh, I did not know that rule existed. One thing I took away from that article was it, it said Ira mentioned that USL one uh, Canadians are counted as international players, which is which is strange when you have T two, TFC two, and there however many players they have. Um, I don't know how that's going to work because if, like you said, Jason, they're going to, have to be either buying a lot of spots or trading for them. Um, but it just seems strange that you you have USL Championship who has Ottawa in it, counts those Canadians as domestic, but then you have uh, League One as uh, counts them as international. Yeah, you you heard it here first. Another exclusive League One is not interested in your Canadian teams. They are uh, conspiring to get y'all out the paint especially when you're not uh, really doing anything on social media and stuff. So I can't really blame them. I don't, I don't know if Toronto, I don't know who they're playing. I don't know who's on their team. So yeah, I, I get it. That's Ryan's punishment for them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you mentioned Jeff, there were, there were uh, a couple of player signings for Richmond uh, this week. So, and, and it's good because now I think they're at 13 on their roster. So they're getting there. Uh, one of the signings, Jenek. Uh, Eckenrode, midfielder, he was um, uh, at their second open tryout, and he really impressed Coach Bulow. He said he was easily the most standout player at the trial. Um, He's had stints in Iceland, Sweden, and Denmark, uh, but he most recently played for Tormenta in USL League 2. So, um, yeah, a little uh, stealing going. There's a team that stole some Richmond kickers, and now Richmond kickers are uh, stealing some teams too. So uh, George Mason product, nine goals and six assists after he transferred there. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about that is um, Greg Andrellis was the coach for the Columbus crew um, back in, 2000, I think, from 2001 to 2005. So, and he actually coached Janik at um, – George Mason. So he knows what it takes to play in this system in this MLS USL kind of a league. And he knows kind of what the players need 
in order to step up to get to that MLS level. And so he told coach, you know, Bulo, like, yeah, I believe that this player can translate well. So he's definitely something to look forward to when we're talking about him. And then they also picked up Maxi Rodriguez. And if you're a USL fan, you might know him. He played uh, for San Antonio, uh, 32 appearances. Uh, five U.S. Open Cup games and killed in those U.S. Open Cup games. I think he had two or three goals and was a real big factor. And uh, speaking of reaching out, so uh, Darren Powell, who uh, San Antonio's president, reached out to the kicker's president, Matt Spear, and actually recommended him and said, hey, I've got a guy I think that would dominate for you guys. And so that's how that deal happened. So it's uh, good to see that Richmond um, – defeating some USL teams and also filling out that roster. Yeah, that Rodriguez signing is huge. I love him uh, for San Antonio last year, so it'll be exciting to see him kind of take lead of a team. Yeah, and uh, I do think he's going to be the leader. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. I think he's going to be the one dictating that midfield. So because we had our special speaker, uh, we didn't get any questions today uh, from the fans. We'll make sure we double up next week um before we uh, we sign off for the night jason did you say you had more spicy soccer because like, it's, we can have our forever hold the peace all right i've had people in my mentions because while preseason should not be looked too much into it matters and i've had people who are trying to die on this hill trying to die as hard as they can on this hill to say that preseason does not matter at all let me ask, to who? Who does preseason not matter to? Who? The, the coach? The coach who's trying his formations, who's trying new players and styles, the coach who wants to get fans and the, the big wigs and suits and ties excited for the team that's going to be on the field? It doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter to the players who are competing for starting spots, the trialists who are trying to get a spot on the team, people who are trying to get in shape. It doesn't matter to them. Or does it matter to the fans? Then why are fans traveling to the Carolina Challenge Cup? Why are fans actually looking at preseason to see who are players that might potentially break out this year? Who are players that they see as a trialist or who they see that they just signed and don't know anything about and want to see how they play? Why do they want to go see the formation then? Why do they want to see the style the team's playing? Why do they want to go see what the new coach is implementing? Why does any of that matter, huh? Nobody cares about preseason. What are you talking about? Preseason is important for everybody involved. I said it back when Toronto lost 5-2 to two to Vegas. They gave the ball away three times and watched the other ball two times. And then what do they do a week later in CCL? They give the ball away three more times and lose 4-0 to a team they have no business losing 4-0 to. And now look at them. They're out of CCL and everyone is panicking. So maybe the back line in the preseason was reflective of the back line when it came to competitive play. So maybe this does matter. Maybe all this does matter. Of course it does to everybody. What are you talking about? Please go die on your hill quietly. Please, like a dog, leave the family, go into the hill that's in the woods, and die quietly because you don't make any sense. Preseason matters. Do the results matter? Maybe not. Maybe because you're subbing in trials and then the league gets blown because your trials couldn't keep up with the other team's starters. That's fine. But preseason matters. Get out of my mentions with that. <sighs> that's all. <laughs> It just wouldn't be a League One fun show without without Jason. Just without Jason. It just matters. That's all. 
All right, guys. Uh, is there anything else? Uh, Jason, we're, we're going to put you on a little bit of a timeout. Yeah, I need a break. I need uh, uh, so, a little... So, Mark, anything else uh, you have to, to add before uh, we get out of here for the night? I don't think so. I think uh, Tucson started camp, and so we, we have every team in camp now, I believe. It, it's kind of weird because Tucson was training with Phoenix, and so they've actually been training for weeks now, but the, the team as a whole is finally in. So all, all the teams are in camp now. They're getting their preseason games. We're a month away from games, and so we're ready. I think we're ready. Good to hear. Uh, like, like I said earlier, um, I am going – to the Riverhounds game uh, as they play Lansing. Uh, so if there are any Lansing fans that are making the trip or that listen to the podcast that are in the general Pittsburgh area, uh, make sure you come on out. The game is free. Uh, so that that's, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, if you come out, you know, make sure that, that you say hi, uh, I'll be there. Uh, I'm sure that, that Lansing will, will also enjoy the shout out there. Um, but all right, guys. So, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf sponsor of the MLS, the ULS, and US Soccer. Make sure to get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks.